Amen. I am pretty positive that this first part, this first couple sentences, are not necessarily of the Lord. I just keep getting texts from all my friends who are Bronco fans, or I mean who are Eagles fans, that are playing the Broncos today. And I'm just going to say this right off the bat. The Broncos are expected to lose. They are expected to lose. But all my friends beware if they win. (laughs) There you go. Okay, now, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. (laughs) That I might speak your words. God is so good. And it's interesting... I love how God works. I have felt that this past week we've gone through a bit of a graduation in a way. Uh, that Really the past, past two weeks. Um, we've, we've gone through a bit of a graduation because we've been in this training process for several years. And we've talked about that, right? We've been in this training process. And specifically over the last, I want to say, year and a half, Plus, we've been in this training process about warfare. And those of you who have been through school or have been through college um, can remember back to the fact that when you get near the end of something, you just want to be done. Right? I remember my senior year of college. If it weren't for the fact that it was so much fun, I really should have studied more. I just, I was ready to move on, right? I was ready to move on with my life. I was ready to take on the challenges that God would have for me. I was ready to find my wife because I thought I would find her during college and that never worked, right? So I was ready to move on. See, I think in many ways, that's how certainly I've been feeling and I know Many of you have been feeling about moving on, not past the warfare, but moving on to into the victory. And I feel like the last two weeks, specifically when I was gone, when I was in Nigeria, and I talked about it a little bit last week, um, although I want to talk about Nigeria a little bit more this week in terms of, of this next phase. But I feel like we had a graduation and, and it may not be something you could recognize, but I do. I, I see it so clearly. See, God wanted to teach you how to fight for me, right? But he wanted to teach you how to fight for each other. And that's what happened. He taught us that this family sticks together as family. This family is not just about standing up for me as the spokesperson or whatever, but standing up for each other, for even the most vulnerable. We stand together. And that's what I felt the graduation was two weeks ago. See, because there's a, there's a next phase. There's a very important phase. It's not that training stops. Please understand, training will not stop until we're with him in eternity. The training doesn't stop, but the phases change. And this next phase is an extraordinary one. And it's interesting because I I put revival on here, but really revival is kind of a generic word. What does that mean? See, I believe the revival that we are going to experience that has been prophesied, I, I mean, pull up any, go, go pull up a Charisma magazine and you'll pull up every prophecy talking about this revival that's coming. I, I think it's, it's probably been one of the most prophesied events, it, certainly to my knowledge. But I think this revival is going to be different. Different in a couple of ways. One, I don't believe it'll be localized. 
like many of them, and most of them for that matter, have been. I, I believe in the past the revivals have started and they have stayed in this place. People would come in there. They would, like, like Toronto for instance, people would come in and just be overpowered by the Holy Spirit and then would go back out and plant. Okay, those are revivals of the past. That's how Azusa happened as well. This one's going to be different because this one is going to go out. This revival, believe it or not, has already begun. The Lord told me it began, it began two weeks ago today. It began in McCurdy in this little small church. I don't even know how many were there. There might have been... It was, it was probably less than this. And he told me the night before that it is going to start tomorrow morning. And I told you last week I walked into that service with just these amazing expectations of everybody laying out and the Holy Spirit being so thick and so heavy and, and then it happening here on the other side and everything else. And, and what God showed me was this revival is different. Because it is not sparked by emotion. Not that emotion isn't involved, don't misunderstand me. But for something to be real, it needs a heavier anchor than emotion. It needs the reality of relationship with Jesus Christ. See, real revival brings on real relationship. And that's what's about to happen because it's the readying of the bride. It is the readying of him to prepare his church for his coming. That's not a quick process. I mean, look at us over the last few years. He's been training us in many different things, training us in warfare, training us in, in patience, training us in, in stick-to-itiveness, training us in discernment. But in reality, what he's been doing is he's been building relationship. Right? We have this personal relationship. We have a relationship with him as a church body. But we have a relationship with him personally that he has been drawing us closer to him. Why? It's not just for his fulfillment. It's not just for our fulfillment. But it's for this next phase. And this next phase is not fighting for me, not fighting for each other, but it's literally fighting for the bride. See, this next phase is this church with all its training being released to fight for the bride. This is going to bring on a lot of interesting things. I was wrestling with this fact all yesterday and today, because the Lord wants me to do something that I don't want to do. He wants me to announce something on Facebook. And I've just been, I won't say arguing with him, but I guess if you're like resisting, maybe that's arguing. <laughs> I don't know. I've only done this one other time, and I argued with him on that one too. And that was ahead of time when he told me that Donald Trump would be president for eight years. And he told me to go on Facebook and announce that. And I did, and, and it was really hard at the time, but after November 8th, it was really awesome. <laughs> right? Then it was cool. Well, see, I'm, I'm finding myself in that place again. Because what he has told me to announce are, are not things that you guys don't know. It's not anything I haven't announced to you. But see, the Facebook world's different. See, because they haven't been in the same training we have been. They haven't been in the same place that we have been. But my point is, when we are released to affect the bride in the world, we have to be obedient, don't we? Because see, when we give Him our hands and we give Him our feet and we give Him our mouth, we give Him our eyes, our ears... When we give him everything, we can't take it back. You either give it or you don't give it. 
When you're placed in this church body, I've said it before, you're placed here for a reason. And it is no small reason. Because what you may not recognize yet is that this church body will affect the bride as a whole. It will begin to spread this revival. Because the revival that is happening here has happened here. The relationships have been and are being built to facilitate that revival. Bless you. (laughs) To facilitate that very revival. But see, now it is our charge to take that out. And by the way, the Lord's going to show us how. He's going to facilitate everything. We don't have to start making cold calls. Can I come talk at your church? Right? He's got that part of it figured out. But I'm telling you, we are at the beginning of that. We are at the point of that happening. I want to share with you a letter. This is extraordinary to me. And this is part of... I've, I've told you back in Nigeria about Kaduku. Okay, Kaduku is not in Benue State where we are planting our training centers and, and, and uh, uh, buying the land. Okay, that's in McCurdy. That's some two hours away from where this place is. Now, those who have been to Nigeria, you know where I'm talking about. Kaduku is where we had that large uh, um, revival meeting. There were about a little over 2,000 people there. Uh, we showed the Jesus film, and we were there for two days. You remember that. Well, I met with the pastors. There were, I want to say, maybe 18 to 20 pastors the last time I was there. I met with the pastors of that area in Kaduku. And, and there's, there's one specifically that uh, those of you who have been there remember that building, okay, where, where all, all the stuff happened, Right? Okay, that, that's actually a little church. And the pastor, who is the pastor of that church, he wrote me a letter and gave me this letter because when, we, when I went this past time, I took two more projector systems to be able to show the Jesus film. We gave one to, uh, to the church where, um, where I said that revival began. We gave one there, and, and they were to share it amongst all the churches there to be able to do the Jesus film. But then the other one I took out and gave to this pastor and this group of pastors specifically in Kaduku. And I didn't really know what the reaction would be, but, it, but he, he wrote me a letter, and I want to read this letter to you because it's going to give you a sense of where they're at and what God wants to do. And I, I think this is important. And... You'll have to forgive me if I miss some words and stuff. His handwriting's really good, but again, their English is a little bit different than ours. And I'll forget the first part. Um, I'll just begin after his introduction. The purpose of putting this piece of information across to you is just to keep you informed about troubles and battles that I have gone through in ministry work and how God passes through you in order to enlarge my work. I answered the call of God, or I answered the call of God immediately, and I ran into his work after obtaining my diploma in theology. Now, you have to recognize the state that he is in, that he's in, is an Islamic state. Um, it, it's not like Benue, where we're planting ours that is more or less a Christian state. This is an Islamic run state. And, and there is a lot of, I won't get into this, but it is a, it is an Islamic state. That's why when we were there, we had to have all the armed guards around us. The Islamic Association of my state called me to abandon the only one and true God and join them. They promptly gave me an agreement, or gave an agreement to give me a well-designed flat, which is like a, a little home a well-designed flat, and the amount of money that reaches one million nera, which if you understand their economy there, that's, that's all the money in the world. 
But considering that my God is faithful to them that have faith in him and will open windows of heaven and blessing and bless them that trust him, then I refused all their materials while they presented them to me. Things that pass me by as a result of my commitment to God are uncountable and immeasurable. In this work, I have never ridden even a bicycle, nor motorcycle, nor a car. Although my joy and some of the paramount Although my joy and some of the paramount and things that make my soul not to be in deep dignation are those favorable... Okay, let me rephrase. Things that would lift his soul out of despair were those favorable evangelism materials which you sent for us To proclaim the gospel. He's talking about the Jesus film. And reaching those from far off and makes the light of God to shine upon them. Sir, I am full of joy. The evangelism materials are so significant to me. More than that one million. More than that flat. Then I quickly comprehended that Almighty has opened doors and windows of heaven on me through you. Glory to his name. I, Pastor Mandaki, in person, I don't have anything to present before you as a gift of appreciation, but my prayer is that God should keep you strong and sound in health and give you new ideas to execute your plans. And also open both doors and windows to surprise you with heavenly blessings in Jesus' name. And anywhere you you storm your feet, you will have personal encounters with the God that made this tremendous miracle in Jesus' name happen. I sign this as Pastor Peter Mandaki. Over to my honorable pastor, Paul. He's the first, first person to ever call me Paul. Because that, that's, for those of you who don't know, that's my actual first name. Paul is. But I want you to understand something. Okay, this is a person that gave up to him everything. Everything. He gave up comfort. He gave up control. He gave up control to even expand his witness. Because he couldn't afford a car. See, see, if he would have stuck with what the state wanted him to do, he would have had all those things. But he would have lacked joy. He would have lacked purpose. See, our calling is for people like this. That God has already prepared. Do you understand? He has a relationship with the Lord. The Lord has already prepared his heart. The Lord has always already plowed that ground. That by giving them the tools that we're able to give and to invest in them, you watch. You watch the explosion. I'm telling you. It it is our goal. I I found the land that that God wants us to have. I found it there when I was there. Can't wait. I'm so excited. And the cool thing is, before I ever went to Nigeria, the Lord told me what this whole project was going to cost. Isn't that crazy? At the time, I didn't understand that. He just told me $221 And I thought, I I, I mean, that's a lot of money, Lord. (laughs) Well, and I went for a long time being real confused about that until about six months ago, God reminded me that Nera is a little different than dollars. Okay, there you go. Okay, all right, now, Lord, we're in the ballpark. Right? 221 million would that, I mean, you know, and I used to tell him, okay, Lord, I have faith in that. If you said it, I have faith in it. 
so I, I'm praying he really does provide the rest. But anyway. But 221 million Nara. Well, I found that, and by the way, that comes to about $600,000, $665,000 U.S. is what it comes to. So I found this, and, and that's for the whole project, by the way. The land comes to about $65,000 itself, but then there are many buildings that we want to build on it. He gave me heavy, heavy visions of the sanctuary that will be there. You know, first of all, it, as, it, as it stands, it will hold over 1,000 people which is a little different than the U.S. Like, because of our laws here, it would probably hold about five or 600. But there, they just cram in. But in reality, the way it's set up, it will ha- handle double to triple that because of how the, there are really no walls on the side, just pillars, and people can overflow outside. But God began to show me this, and the visions I had about this were after you guys went to war. It was after that Sunday night. And God just began to open this up. Because, see, he's already plowed that ground. That ground is already fertile. It's already been fertilized. It's ready to be planted. And that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to plant. Now, by the way, not just there. See, the ground here is being plowed up as well, being prepared. I believe now that we have gone through this shift into this next phase, I think you're going to find extraordinary things begin to happen in your own lives in terms of your own outreach. You're going to start to see relationships come up that maybe even you had before and they were stagnant and now they're they're connected again, or brand new relationships where you are able to pour influence into somebody that you never expected. These things are going to start popping up because we're ready. Because it's time. And that's what he wants. There's a responsibility in that. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 6. See, we have a responsibility to fight for each other, and we've done that. But we have a responsibility to fight for the bride and to fight for the world. I want to start in verse 1 of chapter 6. It's talking about bearing one another's burdens. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, by the way, I I just want to point it out. That word spiritual there means non-carnal. Okay, those of you who do not seek carnal things, those of you who are seeking a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're seeking to be close to him. He says, those of you who are seeking that relationship, who are close to Jesus Christ, you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, but bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, Cain, after he killed Abel, God came to him and said, where's your brother Abel? His response was, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. I, I, I have nothing to do with him, God. I, it, you know, he's not my responsibility. But see, God said, yes, he is. And he's telling us the same thing. Our responsibility is not within these walls. Our responsibility is the bride as a whole. And today with With all of the capabilities today, it's different than it used to be. You see, I can affect all over the world by posting something in my living room. How crazy is that? See, we have 
excuse me, we have opportunities now that we did not have before. We have a voice now that we did not have before. Don't think that your world is so small that you cannot affect the world. Alex and I were talking about this the other day. You know, Lord, you have prophesied so many incredible, amazing things about ignition. And, and yet we're just in a living room. How? How can this happen? How can this tiny little group of people have this influence that you've said it's going to have? And my response to her was, I don't know, but one day Joseph was in jail. And the next day he was number two in the kingdom. And that was the world-dominating power at the time. How did that happen? I, ha I have no idea how that happened. Okay, so we have today, I can tell you more of a way that it can happen today. So how much easier is it for God to do it today than it was even back then? See, because by a voice, I can affect the world. God can give me whatever. I, I mean, you guys, you guys mostly know Facebook. By the way, if you notice, there's a hair somewhere around here that's bugging the snot out of me. Sorry. Distraction. Most of you know Facebook, right? Okay. You, you put something on Facebook, you post it, and it's, it's this funny little thing, and all of a sudden somebody shares it, and then they share it, and it's got ten shares, and a thousand people see it, right? Do you know you have really very little to do with that? How easy would it be to post something or for God to lead you like he's led me to do, to post something, and all of a sudden it is shared all over and it's seen all over the world? That's not a hard concept to understand, even, even as small as we are, even where we're at. Because, see, technology makes every voice potentially profound. Makes every voice reachable to every nook and cranny. I remember when, when I used to do work in, uh, in Mexico. I haven't been there in a while. But when I did work down there, it always blew me away that they didn't have a... And in, in the places that we worked were, were really, really poor. Right? They didn't have... A nice house they didn't have a car but they had a cell phone and they had Facebook <laughs> right you know it, it's much the same way in Nigeria do you think that's an accident no God is using that now Satan certainly had plans to use it but God will use this technology to go throughout the world don't think that there has to be this humongous process for us to have some influence, or for you to have some influence over great things. All you have to do, listen to me, all you have to do is stay close to Jesus Christ. All you have to do is offer Him your hands and your feet, your eyes, your mouth, and not take them back. <clears throat> Just say, I gave them to you, they're yours, even if this is hard to say. Even if this is something difficult for me. I'm a shy person, Lord. So this is difficult for me. If you're saying that, you're taking back your mouth. You're taking back your hands and feet. You're putting limitations on God that He does not place there. Because I know there are many in here that are shy. Right? And most of us, when God sends us down a path that is uncomfortable, it's not natural to step. It's not natural to continue going down that path. But see, if we really give Him our hands and really give Him our, our feet and our mouths, and it, if we really give Him our lives, then we've got to recognize that He's going to do it regardless. It's not about us, right? So we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Anybody remember? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. Love him with everything that you have. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said the entire law wraps into those two things. So he's saying here, when you take on your brother's burdens, you are fulfilling the law of Christ. You are loving your neighbor. I don't know about you, but but God puts people in my life that I would not expect. People that I run into. I met met with a, a young man this past week that I haven't seen in probably six years. God puts people in your life for you to begin to take their burden. Right? If he's training you to draw close to him, it is also for the purpose of taking on somebody else's burden so that they may be trained in the same way. This is that next phase. Verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I love that. Dude, if you think you're cool, you're really not. (laughs) And that's really what he's saying there. If you think you're cool, put on my glasses a second and you'll see the truth. Verse 4. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And that can be kind of confusing what it's talking about. Is when we bear one another's burdens. Right? There is fruit that's going to come from our lives. There's fruit if we bear one another's burdens. There's fruit if we bear our own burdens. And what he's saying is that fruit will be tested as to whether it is of God or not. The fruit in your life will be tested if it is of God. If you are bearing someone else's burdens for the purpose of them drawing closer to Jesus Christ, then that fruit will be tested as good fruit. It will be accounted to you as good. But each one will have to bear his own load, says in verse 5. Verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever one sows, he will also reap. What he's saying here is we've got to take on one another's burdens and everything that you invest has a consequence. If you invest your efforts into the wrong place, if you invest your efforts into things that you want, into things that are selfishly motivated, you will reap that selfishness. You will not reap the very things that God says in bearing one another's burdens. That fruit that will last, that fruit that will be counted to your credit, Verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. He's saying here you have a choice. See, we all plant. We all cultivate. We all look for fruit to be bare, for fruit to come forth. But where you plant makes a difference. If you are so consumed with your own life, we talked about this last week, how to overcome the enemy, how to overcome the destroyer was by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the word of our testimony, And third, to the fact that we did not care about our lives even unto death. Well, see, it's the same thing here. When you are worried about your own life, about your own enjoyment, about your own goals, about what you want to get out of life, then you are going to sow nothing but the selfishness that that produces. 
That's an important thing to understand. If your life encircles just you, and everything that happens to you, you look through the filter of how it affects you, that needs to give you an indicator that you're not bearing somebody else's burdens. Now see, you may think that, how how in the world can I bear somebody else's burdens when I can't even bear my own? I get that, that's tough. It's not a facility problem. It's not a problem that I do not have the capacity to take on somebody else's problems because I have too many of my own. It's really a focus problem. It's a faith problem. See, because as you build a relationship with Jesus Christ, what does he promise? I'm going to give you a scripture and see if you remember. It's Matthew 6.33. Right? He promises that if you focus on him, search him, seek him, he'll take care of the rest. See, it's in that capacity that you can carry somebody else's burden. It's in that capacity that you can begin to focus your mind on what somebody else needs instead of you. It's a dangerous place to fall into selfishness, to self-absorption, because there's no good light in that. There's no good outcome in that. Even what you seek in pleasure does not become pleasure. It's a dead end. It doesn't matter what happens. There's no fulfillment in it. That's why he says, bear one another's burdens. And by the way, when you do, verse 9 is important to understand. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap. Listen to that. In due season... We will reap. What does that mean? Season there means the appointed time. In the appointed time of what God has in His plan for your life, or for this church, you will reap. In His timing. Why? Because His timing is perfect. Do you think that the timing of this shift into this revival phase is because we just finally get it? Or it's something that we manufacture? No. No, the the timing is God's. We seek the relationship. We seek for Him to do His will, but the timing is His. And it says, don't grow weary. Don't don't do good and then you don't receive the blessing yet and just stop. Well, that didn't work. You know, here I put myself out for for this person. I put myself out for my friend or 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 even this stranger. I put myself out for them and I got nothing for it. In fact, it cost me. It cost me. Not just money, but it, it cost me with within my family. It cost me time. It cost me frustration. They think I'm whacked. It cost me. First of all, what makes you think it's not going to cost you when it cost Jesus his very life? But secondly, he said, hold on. Hold on to your faith. Recognize the fact that the good giver will always give. But it will be in his timing, because that timing will be perfect. So we have to hold on to this faith. There is everything that we are sowing right now as a church, everything that you are sowing individually, have faith to know it's going to be rewarded. It's going to happen. It has to. It's a law. What you sow, you will reap. If you believe God, you believe that law. That what I sow into, I will reap. 
Any parents in here understand that with children? What you pour into a child, you may not see immediately. But that's why the Bible says to to pour into them what they need to know of the Word of God. And what happens? It will not depart from them when they're older. See, as a parent, you don't get to see that right away. You just see the different phases of them growing up. You see the phases of, of them being hungry, and then all of a sudden you see a phase of them not wanting anything to do with it. And then a phase of you, you just are not cool to be around anymore. Right? I went through that one with Brooke. Although I always remain cool. I just want to say. I, I'm waiting to go. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm waiting to go through that one with Yvonne. That's why I keep telling her every day, Daddy's cool. <laughs> All right, Daddy's cool. That will not change. Daddy will always be cool. But see, it's in time we get to see what we invested into our children. When we invest His Word into our children, it does not return void. We may not see it immediately. That's why as a parent, one of the hardest things is is to say no or to say something that is unpopular, but you know it's for their good. See, they then see you as the enemy. See, it's no different with a friend. It's no different with a person that needs to hear the truth of something. We have an obligation to sow into their lives. And that obligation is the same for us sowing into the bride. Let me tell you, things are going to get really interesting for Ignition Church. Because over the next few years, what you're going to see is you're going to see people that hate us and people that love us. But it's going to surprise you because the people that will love us will be the people that don't know Jesus Christ because they will see what he does to a life. The people that hate us will be the majority of the church. That's hard to take. That's hard to hear. The Lord had told me that when I first accepted this calling And he's proven it over and over and over again. But see, as much as that has happened so far, it's going to happen huge as we move forward. See, because right now we're just talked about. We're not opposed in the physical. We're we're certainly opposed spiritually, right? (laughs) been through that a few times but we've not faced yet what it means to be opposed by somebody that you know is your brother or your sister but that's going to happen rest assured that it will happen and has to happen to ready the bride see because the enemy has his fingers into the church. That's why the bride's not ready now. That's why there's so much deceptive practices in the church. That's why for 40 years I didn't believe that Jesus spoke to people the same way he did back in the church of Acts. Because I just accepted the fact that the world was what I saw it to be. And my relationship with Jesus Christ was something that really would happen once I was with him. But that's just so not the case. See, he gives us opportunity, and you all know this, he gives us opportunity for relationship right now. But see, that flies in the face of the typical church. And when I say the church, by the way, I'm talking about the generic, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. That's who the bride is, 
right? That's not a particular, you know, uh, what you know, religion, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, denomination. Thank you. It's not a particular denomination. It is, and and you have the full gambit of people that have accepted Jesus Christ in their heart, but yet want to control. And sadly enough, that's, that hits the hardest on the pastors. I've met so many of them where they're, these are not bad hearts. Okay, these are hearts that lack faith. And they're hearts that would rather control their situation than to step in that faith because they've not been taught that that faith stems out of relationship. And that, that's a tough word. Man, you want to make enemies. Speak that one. Start to say that relationship should be over everything else. Relationship should be over some sort of set service plan. How many pastors do you know? How many churches do you know that if the Holy Spirit wanted to change what was happening right then, that they would do it? I can tell you I know very few. I do know a few, though. And, and it's not to say that they're not, not out there, because they are. And, and I've had the pleasure of meeting many of them in the last three years. But see, most churches are about putting together a program that will draw people in for the purpose of what they think is fellowship and protection. And what it really is, is a veil. Bringing you into something where a veil is placed over your head. That's not how it's supposed to be. See, I cannot dictate your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's up to you. I can't force it on you. I can't keep it from you. All I can do is facilitate the fact that as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, he will use you in this body for something. If Jesus wanted to change this service right now, he could, and we would let him. We've experienced that many times. We experienced it last week, right? To me, those are the best Sundays. I love that. I love being able to say, here, take the reins. Do what you want. But see, it's got to get further than these walls, Right, Our relationship is now to a point where he wants to affect all the people around you. Everybody in here knows people outside of just this church. And if you don't, by the way, you need to get out there <laughs> and meet a few. Because he wants you to begin having an effect on people outside of here. Why? Because they need what we have. And it's not, it's not just that we're great and we have this great thing. No, Jesus Christ did this in us, and he wants to do it in everybody. So if we're truly his mouth, then we got to go where he wants our mouth to go. you got to speak truth when he wants you to speak truth, even if it's tough. And sometimes those things are tough because, see, we want to be liked. We want things to be easy. We don't want to take on the responsibility or the burden of saying anything negative because, oh, man, now, I, now I'm entrenched in this warfare. But what if you were the key? What if you were the key to somebody understanding the fact that Jesus offers them a relationship, but the only way they'll understand that is if you take on their burden. That's tough. That's tough because it takes commitment. It takes faith. 
Because, see, you may not see it right away. That's, that's why Jesus said here in verse 9, don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of bearing one another's burdens. For in due season you will reap. And so many times we stop there. But it didn't end there. He said, if you do not give up. That means if we give up, we may not experience the reaping. If you give up too soon in your faith, believing something will happen that the Lord has said, it doesn't mean it will still happen. That's what it says right there. All those prophecies over your life, all those prophecies over Ignition Church, if we were to stop believing it right now and having patient faith, then it would stop. See, because there's a currency that it costs to have these things come true, to have these things come forth when they're prophesied over you or over this church. And that cost is faith. You can't just listen to a prophecy and then just go hide in a corner and wait for it to happen. See, Jesus needs the faith to believe that he is true. And he is faithful and he is just. Hebrews 11 said that Abraham was found faithful. Why? Because he believed what God said. He believed that although he hadn't had any children, Lord said, look up at the stars. He said, count them if you can, which obviously he couldn't. He said, your seed will be greater than all of that. And yet he hasn't even had his own kid yet. And he was like 800 years old. (laughs) Right? Imagine the faith that he must have had just in that moment. But see, that's not the extraordinary part. Because we, when the Lord has told us extraordinary things here, and he's had many, many that he has said over Ignition, many that he's said over Lex and I. I mean, I mean things, if I told you, you it's, it's just whacked. It's crazy. Like, crazy things. It's one thing to believe it when it's said. That's just like Abraham believing it when he looked up at the stars. But do you know that's not what was counted unto him for righteousness? See, the Bible said that as time went on, and it was 25 years. 25 years! That's older than half of you. (laughs) 25 years go by before that promise began. See, it, didn't, it wasn't even fulfilled in his lifetime. It wasn't fulfilled until hundreds of years later after his seed grew and grew and grew. But he believed at the beginning. But it said he, it was counted unto him as righteous because he grew in his faith. That means throughout that 25-year period, it didn't diminish. It grew. He believed more and more and more. How are you? How are we here at Ignition Church? Do we take what he has said about us and we believe more and more and more that it will come to pass? I can tell you from my standpoint, I do. Absolutely. I have more faith now in what he is doing and going to do in Ignition Church and through through all of us, all of us than I ever did at the beginning. Because, see, I've seen fruit of that faith in relationship. Do I see it in material things? No. I don't see it in a building. Right? I don't see it in in these things that you would look at and say, that is a successful church. But I see it in your hearts. I see it in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I would put this family up against anybody I know in closeness with Jesus Christ and humbly seeking Him. So my faith is strong in this and increasing in this. See, that's what was counted 
unto Abraham for righteousness was the fact that he continued to believe. Do you continue to believe? Not just in what he's doing in ignition, but do you continue to believe what he's doing in you personally? Do you believe that he has a plan and each and every one of you that he has a significant plan for your life. One that nobody can mess up except you. Do you realize that? Nobody can mess up what God has for you except you. I remember when Alex and I started in, we were just married a couple of years and, and we had moved up here to Delaware and and we were we were at a church over in Newcastle, and oh man, I just wanted so badly to begin in youth work, you know, to to be a counselor, to this, that, whatever. And and in the church that we were at, it was a very the way I grew up, a very political system, right? And we did not carry the political pedigree <laughs> to be able to move forward that some others had. And I remember talking to a good friend of mine who was a youth pastor and just saying, I I don't understand why I can't move forward in this way. I mean, I, I, I want this. I feel like God's laid this on my heart. I want it so bad. And, and it wasn't something, I do believe it was absolutely from God. He wanted, he put this desire in me. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get any further forward with it. And he gave me some of the wisest advice. And it was so simple. He said, do you know that man cannot stop anything that God has called you to do? Only you can stop it. Those words are so profound even today as they were back then. See, what comes against you may stop you for the moment, but understand that that also may be God's will. Because sometimes it is those very barriers that we begin to push against, that we begin to work through, that build up our resistance or that build up our strength to be able to handle what's on the other side. Because sometimes if we break through too fast, we're not ready for it. Or sometimes when there's not a cost, it doesn't mean anything. And we don't handle it with care. So where are you at in this transition? Where are you at in bearing one another's burdens? See, I think when I was gone... That was a beautiful show of bearing one another's burdens. That's why I believe the Lord told me that we're ready. We're ready and that this next phase will bring in so many people that God wants to expose his relationship to. So I want to encourage you Look for those opportunities. And as he uses you in this way, don't forget your training. Don't forget that it's not what he does through you that has the effect. It's what he does in you that has the effect. Never, ever take that from the forefront. Your relationship with him always was, always will be the most important and effective piece of your testimony that you'll ever have. Let him do the rest. When you give him your hands, you give him your feet, you give him your mouth, don't take it back. Let him have it and trust him with it. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you, God. And I thank you that you give relationship to those who would seek it. And Father, we do. We seek it. We seek intimacy with you. We seek that relationship with you. And over these past few months and years, God, you have opened your voice to so many of us. And we are still learning and will continue to learn. But Father, we just ask for your grace to abound. We ask for the clarity of your voice to be profound. I pray over each person here in their individual walk with you. And Father, teach us how to be led to carry one another's burdens. And not stop. As you open up things outside of this church, outside of these walls, Father, help us not to replace that with the burdens that we carry here for each other. Help that never to stop, but simply expand. We trust you, Lord, and we place everything at your feet, trusting you to do your will. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, there are times when I struggle with uh, just the waiting and knowing that we're called to do these things, wanting to be in the fight, hearing the prophecies, and then just waiting. And it was interesting, during worship, I knew the verse in Galatians that he was going to teach on, uh, because he just mentioned it in passing, but I really didn't know all that he was going to say. But the Lord had given me a picture because I found myself saying, Lord, why do I wrestle so much? I feel like I'm wrestling so much with this waiting and, and all these things that are spoken that are, I'm waiting with hope, but it, it's still difficult. And, um, and he immediately gave me the picture of, you know, a caterpillar when it goes into a cocoon. And there are technical names for all the stages of cocoon. But the picture, the stage uh, at which he showed me was when it's clear. You ever seen that with the caterpillar when it's clear? And I heard that a story one time of um, a person that saw how much the, the, the butterfly, that you can actually see the formation of the butterfly in this cocoon when it's clear and it's about to, to be birthed forth and burst forth and from it and be free. And they were seeing the wrestling and they're you know, seeing that this beautiful color of the wings and everything is all kind of cooped up and it's just struggling and struggling and struggling. And they tried to shortcut it and clipped some of what some of the thicker strands where this this you know butterfly was was wrestling to get out of its confinement. And as soon as they clipped a couple of the strands that were tougher, the butterfly just oozed out. But what they didn't see is that on the back side it was not fully developed and it came out in a blob. So it's, it was like the beauty of the butterfly came out and what, what they thought was going to be this, oh, I'll just let you free, I'll help you out, I'll shortcut it. It came out and it just plopped down with this deformed backside that couldn't be seen but was being developed and strengthened as a part of the wrestling. So and again, you know how your mind works so quick, you can get like all those details in a matter of seconds. And I felt like what the Lord was saying is, you know, we are at the stage where the cocoon is clear. You can see this butterfly. You can see. And yet, some of us are wrestling and we are seeing, for me at least, I'm seeing that kind of as a negative. Like I'm seeing this, like I'm fighting, I'm fighting to get out. And, and our temptation is to want to like notify, hey, somebody, can you just clip, God, can you just clip a couple of these strands so I don't have to keep fighting you, keep fighting you. Just, can you just shortcut me now? But what he knows is that the wrestling is the very thing that is strengthening us so that when it is time to fly, we are ready and we will fly with strength and with beauty and with grace and for the length of time that we're called to fly. And so 
we don't want to shortcutting the process. You know, we live in a in a mentality, in a paradigm, in a culture of shortcut everything. You know, you don't have to work hard. You don't have to. You don't have to go through all. It just shouldn't be that hard. You know, if it's if it's hard, then maybe it's not right. If it feels good, do it. All these lies that actually go against the principles of God. God is a God of process, and every time I fight with this with God, He's saying, "No, stay in the fight." Stay faithful. That's not a bad thing. Wrestling, fighting, you know, working through this this last bit of the cocoon. You can see now. You can see through it now. You can see it right at your fingertips. But you're still not ready to break forth. Keep in the fight. Fight the flesh because every time you make a decision to do what's right for God, when everything is coming against you or when you just don't want to and yet you do it anyway, you're strengthening the undeveloped part you can't see. The part that needs to be finished in order for you to fly. And I needed that reminder so much today because it is, it is Galatians 6, 9. Um, it really is the, the personification of the, of the reaping what you sow. And uh, I just love that message, man. Listen to this message again. Watch it on Facebook this afternoon or listen to it again on the podcast because um, it is something we need to remember. And don't beat yourself up like I have uh, with this time of just feeling like, you know, you're dragging your feet or that you might be fighting and getting nowhere. That fight is developing strength in you. That is developing strength in you, which is why my new favorite worship song is the fact that he's in the waiting, right? I love that. Because he is. He's there every day. And, and we will wake up sometimes and feel like, what is, you know, what is going on? You know, I thought I was going to do this. I thought we were going to move into this. He's doing it. He's doing it in the unseen realm, and right now he is strengthening us uh, to be able to do everything he's called us to do. Praise God. We've got to believe that, uh, and that's the faith. That's the cost. Maybe it's just the cost of believing it every day, because there's a whole lot of lies we need to crush. Uh, according to 2 Corinthians 10.5, we need to cast down those suggestions, those plausible arguments, those imaginations that come against the knowledge of yeah. God. So um, I love that. I love that message today. Um, I do want to remind